0: what's up everybody welcome to today's episode of Podmosh. today's guest we have jimmy stanford who is running for burleson city council c3 he's got a history in law enforcement uh, really cool guy but before i get into any that show much of that show i want you to check out a company called lively iv they're based local in the dfw area um, it's a mobile iv company that brings the health boost directly to you for instance if you're really sick with say the flu and you're dehydrated and would rather not pay thousands of dollars for a doctor's visit or an ER visit where they say, yeah, you need fluids, then check out this company. Because they come right to you. I was terribly sick with a bug last October and had been throwing out for like oh, 21 hours something like that. I couldn't keep anything down and I was throwing out two or three times every hour. I was super dehydrated, super pale, and I had a bunch of really important meetings coming in that following week. Um, I wish I had known about Lively IV then because they could have literally just come to me instead of me going to the hospital, the ER, which that was like the first time I've ever done that. And just, uh, I was frustrated. But, you know, I had a bunch of meetings and I, I needed I needed to, to get IV fluids in because I was so dehydrated. So this that was one of those situations where I really wish Lively IV was up and running then. But they're a brand new company of friends of mine, really great people. Um, they know what they're doing and it, it really does help your immune system. Uh, They can hang a normal bag of saline or a souped up bag of of rich vitamins and minerals that'll actually give your immune system a massive boost. So y'all check them out. I'm going to put their Facebook page and link in my uh, episode description. Um, So if if you're sick or thinking about being sick, (laughs) check these guys out. So anyways, Jimmy Stanford, Uh, Mr. Stanford has a career in law enforcement, I think it's over 20 years, maybe 30 years of law enforcement. The of Charleston City Council. This is the first time running in politics. Again, I can't go enough to say how important local politics matter, how much they matter. You know, as young people, we're pretty disenfranchised to politics in general. Um, we, I know for me, a lot of people that I've talked to, you, you think about politics and get so frustrated about it, especially federal politics, the president, the Congress, so much red tape about everything. Nothing really changes, blah, blah, blah. So a lot of people just kind of back up and they get still frustrated with the things that are going around there in their community. But local politics, you can actually see change very quickly. You know, if you start talking to your mayor or start talking to your council members <clears throat> or actually become a mayor or become a council member, that's how change occurs. So Honestly, I, I've complained before about how things never change and how I don't want to get back into politics or talk about politics, but I don't have room to talk because I'm becoming more and more aware about how important local politics matter. So whether you're in the DFW Metroplex like us, or you're in a different state or even country, uh, well, I don't know about country, but <laughs> local politics can really affect change. So if you're complaining, join a board,
1: go check it out. All right.
0: We are live, Mr. Stanford. What's your first name again?
1: Jimmy Stanford. Jimmy, gosh, dang it. Forgot about that. Hey, I I like it. It's okay. okay.
0: (laughs) Well, Mr. Stanford, what are you? Who are you? What have you done? Why are we here?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Caleb. I I appreciate you having me here today. Yeah, man. I'm super pumped. Hey, I'm excited. So my name is Jimmy Stanford. I am running for Burleson City Council Place 3. So who am I? First and foremost, I'm a Christian. That, that's number one. You can't have anything else without that as far as I'm concerned. Uh, secondly, family man. Been married to the same wonderful woman since 1992. Mm. So a long time. And, and I'm also, you know, not only on top of the family, but also I, uh, I have five kids, two of which are my own biologically, three more. Or my own through adoption. We, oh, I
0: forgot about that. Yeah,
1: yeah. We did foster care for many years. Got a chance to make a difference in a lot of kids' lives. And, and we're able to, to be able to adopt three of them. So they're doing well. And Man, I'm super awesome. pumped and excited about them. And, what are their ages? Uh, I've got everything from um, my foster kids, the youngest all the way from fourteen. Christopher, which uh, is born in '93, so he's uh, he's doing well and, and working hard. He graduated from Charlton, so ah. he's got the full range of a uh, full range That's of kids awesome. there in between. So uh, a little bit in between of all three of those.
0: Okay, so before we get into a lot of what you're wanting to do with Burleson City Council, I'm kind of curious what your history is. You you were a cop for a long time, right?
1: Yes. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm, my nature is of, of community service. I mean, I thought about that one day, and I was like, man, everything I've done is community service. So I spent 28 and a half years in law enforcement. I, I climbed the ranks, retired as a sergeant. And while there, I worked as a legislative liaison. I did uh, everything from entry team on narcotics warrants. I, I went after apartment complexes that weren't compliance. What department? Uh, City of Fort Worth.
0: Oh, that's right. Ah. Yeah. Man, yeah, I retired what?
1: from the city of Fort so I've had a little Man. chance to do everything there, so it's been a really good experience. Retired from them in 2016. Uh, after I left them, I, uh, I joined up with uh, FEMA, working as a contractor, so I've been able oh, to help out uh, a lot of people through different disasters. Wow, so what do you do with FEMA? Uh, I am in the individual assistance program, and what that is is I go out and I meet with people. I say go out this year with COVID. We weren't allowed to go out. We had to do everything by phone. But typically, I go out and I meet with people at their residence, figure out what needs they have as far as you know the damages go, and and what it's going to take to put them back in their home. So, like when a disaster first exactly or something yeah so we're uh, we're one of the first on the ground obviously there's some other things that's come first public safety that kind of things but we're we're there really quick after and so we're there to help them figure out what it's going to take to get them back on their feet get them back in that home get them get their lives back to as normal as it can be at least get that ball rolling for them so i've had the opportunity to do that everything from hurricane harvey and all over texas down to puerto rico florida hmm. recently louisiana you name it so
0: is that volunteer or do you just kind of like find a, the right job for that
1: so that that job actually is a is a contract job so basically it's a it's a hit and miss job if you talk about the you yeah. know once you actually get get full-time paid for it? you do not uh, you're only paid while you're while you're deployed yeah. so it's one of those jobs where you, where you hope you don't get paid because if you're not getting paid then uh then that means there's no disasters but hmm. uh like this past year we had quite a few so so they kept me kind of busy this past year. Wow, that's pretty crazy. And then uh, then as far as like in the community area, I mean, while I was doing all that, I started Johnson County Sports Association. Oh, that was you? Yes. Yeah, that was me and the wife. Okay. So uh, that was a pretty cool little deal. So my eldest son, I told you, his name's Christopher, and him and his best friend Caleb wanted to play football. And uh, we homeschooled, so there wasn't a opportunity for them. And uh, the wife decided, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna do some we're gonna do this thing. And we jumped in on both feet, started Johnson County Sports Association, still going strong today. Yeah, there's uh, uh, quite a few members in there, huh? Yes, there is. Very, awesome. pr- very proud of that group. We, uh, we passed that torch in uh, 2017, and it is still, still going great. It's good to see the, see the lives that we've, we've been able to be a part of. So that's, uh, that's an awesome experience.
0: So you've, you've done a lot of community stuff around the area, um, whether it's be Fort Worth, uh, FEMA, uh, why burleson why jump on the city council why Why run for city council
1: so i'm a firm believer that that you got no right to complain unless you're willing to step up to the plate and do something about it that's fair i see a lot of things that i don't i don't agree with in burleson there's there's burleson is growing and it's growing rapidly but i don't see the vision i don't see the master plan i i have a background with fort worth and and the development and and doing the legislative process and different things in Fort Worth that that laid to a long-term vision, a long-term plan of what Fort Worth would look like and how it would grow and and that managed growth. Growth is inevitable and growth is a good thing because- Frozen's growing like crazy. Yes, and it's great. I mean, if you're, you know, if you think about it, there's, the one thing you don't want to do is be stagnant because if you're stagnant, that means nobody wants to live there. Yeah. The fact that you're growing means that, that it's desirable. That oh, people yeah. want to come. Yeah. So we're excited about that. I'm excited about it. But at the same time, you have to make sure that that growth is managed properly, that the infrastructure is in place, that the long-term vision and planning is done to ensure the public safety is taken care of, that different things are happening so that so that down the road you don't wind up in a bind. Hmm. And I don't see that occurring in the city. So rather than sitting around complaining about it, I said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and step up to the plate. Now, if I uh, do my very best, I'm gonna run hard. I'm gonna try and get this election done and running against an incumbent that's, then that's always a challenge. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna do my very best at it and I'm gonna put my best foot forward. And when I get in there, I'm gonna make those changes. I'm gonna set the vision and get the things going in the right direction, get us, uh, get us going down that path. Burleson's heading in the right direction for far growth. We just have to manage it better. So you, you mentioned before in
0: Fort Worth, you, you've done a lot of the legislative side um, or you've experienced some of the legislative side in Fort Worth.
1: Um, can you expound on that a little more and why that's important to Burleson? Exactly. So in, uh, in Fort Worth, I was assigned as legislative liaison, which means I worked with city attorneys, uh, the lobbyists that worked in Austin and looked at different bills, statutes that were coming in, in addition to actually deciding what bills and statutes maybe the city of Fort Worth would wanna author. So these are important because the different bills and statutes, they protect the city. And and they identify what is, what is gonna impact the city both economically and also too in other areas of growth, public safety, different things along these lines. That's a very, very important because the one thing that, that's missed a lot of times that people don't understand is that every city has a credit rating and credit oh. ratings are important, much like an individual. You know, you go out and you want to buy a house. Well, you may or may not be able to buy it depending on your credit rating, or if you do buy it, the interest rate may not be what you want to pay. So when we look at a debt structure, for example, with a city, that is based off of your credit rating. It's based off of the city's credit rating. So the city actually has, and in the first cities it's called a bond rating. And so the bond rating is what determines the amount of interest that's paid back. So you have to be careful. You that mm-hmm. bond rating is based upon a lot of different factors. And if you're not careful, if you don't have the proper plan in place, your bond rating can suffer. Mm-hmm. And if the bond rating suffers, now you're paying more for the bonds. That ultimately comes out of taxpayers' dollars because that's all in place the city can really draw money is from the taxpayers. And, of course, also, too, from, from sales tax and these mm-hmm. sort of things. But it's all tax-based. I mean the city is not out selling goods and services it's all tax budding so you have to make sure that you protect that
0: hmm that's I, I, it makes sense. I don't know why I've never really thought about that before because um, I love I love finance I love the numbers um, But it I guess it makes sense having an entire city each having the credit score I'd never put that together before. That's huge it, is Burleson, um in the positive or are they on a track that is gonna put more in debt?
1: Well, right now we're not we're not where we need to be. So okay. the surrounding area, for example, is uh, the best you can get. For example, according to Moody, is a AAA rating. The surrounding area for Burleson is AAA. Uh, Burleson, like Crowley, Joshua, that that type of surrounding area, or in the Johnson County surrounding okay. area. So uh, and it's based upon the city size too. So okay. some of these factors kick in uh, along with the different crime and some other things that go into that. But Burleson right now is is not not there yet. We can shoot for that. And I want to get us there. Uh, right now, we're on par with where Fort Worth is. Which Fort Worth is a bigger city. They have a lot of uh, a lot of problems with the COVID. It's come I in. It's hurt the economy. So we're on the same level as Fort Worth. We have the same score they do. Oh, okay. Which uh, which is not bad, but it's not where we can be. Okay. And it's not comparable with some of the other cities of our size.
0: So a lot of um, like a big reason why I've had I wanted you to come on is like I'm trying to bring more awareness to what's going on around our community. Um, And there's a huge gap between uh, our generation, you know, the 20s and 30s, and the 40s, 50s, and 60s. There's a, uh, I don't know if it's just lack of care for our generation, but our generation, we don't care about a whole lot when it comes to our local area. And I'm trying to like figure out what is the best way for somebody my age, because I mean, I care about it. That's why I'm, you know, talking to you about this. I'm trying to figure out like people our age, 20s and 30s. Um, to kind of bridge that gap a little bit. So why should somebody in their twenties or thirties who are younger, um, really care about what's going on in their city? Why? Like your position as a city, as a possible city, uh, count, what, what do you call it? Like a city councilman,
1: city councilman, yes. elect yes. or, a, well, uh, incumbent or not incumbent incumbents, the person already Incumbent's the one there. that's in there. So, uh, right now I'm just a candidate.
0: Okay. Candidate. That's right. Yes. Um, is anybody else running for a seat three?
1: Uh, I believe so, right. I, and the filings we won't actually get the actual filings until January thirteenth is when the actual filing starts, and it will end in February. So there could be numerous people that, that
0: yeah step up. Do that. Um, so kind of can you as best you can bridge that gap, communicate a little bit differently on why it's important for people to understand what you want to do.
1: Well, and and the one thing I see a lot of times with young people, and not just young people, but people in general, I run into people all the time that tell me, "Well, I'm not involved in politics." Yeah. And I hear that. And it's like, well, that's kind of interesting. Did you drive your car on the street? Because that was paid for with tax dollars Hmm. through politics. The vehicle you're in has numerous regulations on it. You paid a ton of money for your vehicle because of all these regulations on your vehicle. You buy a vehicle overseas and a foreign country doesn't have those regulations. It's going to be super cheap. It's not going to be near as expensive as it would be in America. Mm -hmm. Those safeguards are put in place to keep us safe, but they're... that's part of politics that's part of the regulations so it, it affects everybody I hear I hear people all the time talk about well gee the student loan debt and and they mention that all the time but that has directly to do with politics and you know, I also want to cut you off because like I
0: think there's a big difference between the federal side of it and the local side of it. yes, you know what I'm saying because because I get how people uh, don't want to get into politics because it's so divisive yes. a lot of people just don't want to uh, get into conflict. Exactly. It, as soon as you start talking to somebody about some federal policy, whether it's Black Lives Matter or student debt, um, it always creates division. So I think a lot of the issue here is, is bringing more focus on the local side of it, like you're talking about. Exactly. Like everybody should be somewhat involved in politics, at least locally. They should be aware of what's going on, what their local tax dollars are actually doing and
1: creating change or not. Exactly. A lot of your money is being spent on your local tax dollars. Like I mentioned, the roads. A lot of those are local. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do have some federal roads that are, and state roads are throughout our area, but a lot of the roads are local. And your tax dollars are having to pay for those. And is that, is the roads being maintained the way you want them to? Is everything being done the way you want? When you go out and buy a house, a large portion, a large portion of your, of your mortgage payment is the, is the taxes, both at the, at the, at the city level or uh, at county level and also too at the school level. So you have all these mm. different entities that are coming into play and it's important for the young people to know that, hey, that's my money. And when you're spending your money, it's important to know what you're spending your money on. And that's the reason I think that it's very important for young people to get involved, to, to want to step up to the plate and say, hey, how can I do this? You don't have to run for city council. There are many different positions. There's a lot of different boards that a young person can get onto through a city to learn about it and learn what's going on, learn how your money's being spent. Maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't get spent the way you think it should be. And maybe then you decide, you know what, I need to step up. This is not right. And that really those these
0: type of elections, one of the, the local elections, are the ones that honestly, we're gonna see the most change in. We're gonna see the most change in somebody who's wants to take your city in a different direction or not. Because that, because a lot of uh, people I've talked to who are, are my age don't like to vote because it's just, oh, it's just not going to really change anything. It's the Same president going to get in there and, and screw everything up or not. But if you vote locally and really focus on the local elections, your sheriffs, your judges, um, those are big. Um, <laughs> yes. Your city councilmen, your mayors, those are the ones who are actually going to start affecting real change that you'll be able
1: to see pretty immediately. Am I right? Exactly. Yes, those, those changes are going to happen. It's not the trickle down like you mentioned. At the federal level, if the president does something, it's got to get approved by Congress. Then It's got to be adopted at the local... It, eventually it's got to get to the local level. It just takes forever to get there. The local level is already there. So that, that's, where that's where your immediate change is going to happen. That's where the, you know, when you say, well, gee, this town's boring. There's nothing to do here. Well, guess what? That's the economic development board of your, of your local government. Mm-hmm. that needs to go out there and, and research and and get out there and get that business so when we sit down and we say well gee I, there's not much I can do I'm only one vote but no that one vote is important that one voice is important because you can sit down with your city leaders and say hey I really would like this type of business we don't have this kind of thing mm-hmm. over here or you know what we've got enough of these you know there's, you you put in 300 of this same exact business and I'm tired of seeing it on every <laughs> corner yeah you know, so this is this yeah. is things that that is important. And it's very important at the local level because I can have my own views and opinions. But it's, it's critical that I hear from others to know what their views and opinions because I should represent the city of Burleson. And that's all encompassing. That means everybody. I need to have the pulse. So I need to hear from people. So how do you do that? Uh, I reach out any way I can. Mm. And hopefully through like your podcast, yeah. we can educate people that, hey... Your voice does matter. Your vote matters. Your voice definitely matters. Speak up. Let us know what it is you want. You know, whether you choose to vote for me or vote for the incumbent or vote for another person. No matter what you choose to do, we have an obligation. We have to let those people know that, that, hey, this is what we want for our city. We want it to go in this direction. We want this type of business in here. We don't like the traffic on this particular road. We want another road put in. We don't yeah, like this. We'll try to
0: freaking kill you. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. So maybe we need additional roads in there. Uh, there's a lot of different things that could be thought of. Of course, there's money involved with that, as there always yeah, is, and yeah. you know, being acquiring land. And there's a lot of different things. But this dialogue is important. It's important to let let people know, hey, exactly, here's what I want. Here's what I here's what I want as a young person. Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, young people are going to be living in the city a lot longer than I am. I'm gonna live as long as I can, but I'm a lot <laughs> older than even you. So how old are you, by the way? I am 52. Okay. So yeah. see, I, I've got, I have less years <laughs> to invest <laughs> here as as a young person. So this is an opportunity. You know, it's a wonderful opportunity for young people to be able to actually become involved, look at the city, and say, "Man, I have a voice." Mm. So now, can you explain to me a little bit how the process works? So you
0: have how many city council members and then you have the mayor, right?
1: Yes. So city council. So there's different types of, uh, of city elections and different city structures. Uh, ours, the, the mayor has the same vote as the city council members. So all the city council members will get together. We'll sit down. We'll go through everything, look at the different proposals, what have you. And then everybody will get a chance to vote on that. And so our system is set up that way. Now, the county's done a little differently. They can have everything from precinct chairs to that kind of thing. So, but it, it is a it is a group. And we do it at Burson. we do what's called at-large. So, some cities will have, like, a councilman will be assigned to a specific area.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In Burson, we do not. We do it at-large, so it can be anybody yeah, in the I city. I got to get this fly. This fly is killing <laughs> me.
0: <clears throat> I think you I
1: got it. it. I don't
0: know if I got it or not, but.
1: It's <laughs> that, like on my nose. <laughs> I think you I'm got sorry, it. Sorry, no, that's all right. It was it was definitely uh, definitely after you there. I'm not sure where it came from, <laughs> but it, it definitely got after some, you. Some
0: crack in the wall over here. I'm sorry. Continue what you're
1: saying. But no, that's <laughs> fine. The uh, so that's why we do it, Barison. So it and it's a good way of doing it because what that means is is there can be two or three people in the same neighborhood and they could have very differing views. They can still sit on the city council. It doesn't mean that one has to be excluded because that neighborhood only gets one vote. It allows more. So it's a wonderful way of doing it. And I encourage everybody, just reach out to your city council people. Reach out to, and if you're not in the city, reach out to your different precinct chairs, the different ones in your county. Get with them. They, they would love to hear what you have to say. They would love to hear what your views are. So let's expand on that a little
0: bit more so sure. if, if I want something to change if I want to go into Burleson and say you know there's you know there's an old, a vacant uh, spot somewhere that's super that's bugging me a lot and I want to create a proposal how do I bring that to the council do I just say hey my name is Caleb I'm, I'm gonna here's a proposal blah blah, blah. this is what I want changed
1: is that and is that how it works or you can so actually uh, you could do that at a city council meeting you can request to speak. So that's one way of doing it. No way to do it is just reach out to a council member and say, "Hey, this is something I've seen over here. I, it's bothering the heck out of me. I really would like it if you'd look into it." You'd be amazed how receptive
0: hmm.
1: every level is. And I don't—I mean, not even at the city level. I've—I've I've had conversations with uh, at the federal level too, different groups. Hmm. So they're very receptive.
0: Okay, um, you're doing city council seat three.
1: What does that mean? so city council three is uh basically it's just one of the seats like i say everything's at large so what i did is i, uh, I said down look this particular election is coming up in the spring and it'll be for places one three and five so we do the odd numbers in the spring so uh, and it's a three-year term and what would you have to do is you have to identify okay which one of these three do you want to run for and i chose city place i chose the uh, place three what does that mean, though? Because, I mean, it, for, yeah. to me, they're just numbers. I don't, I don't know anything about it. And, and honestly, that's really pretty much what they are because they don't represent a specific oh, okay. little neighborhood or anything. They're an at-large position. So the three three representatives for the city of Burleson are going to be chosen. Okay. And uh, that's really just three spots. Okay. So in some areas, like I say, they do. They'll actually represent a specific neighborhood, but Burleson does at-large elections.
0: Okay. So what are some of the things um, you touched a little bit on the economic side of it? Um, what about some of these other things that maybe you want to see change that like if you were um, elected and you finally got that seat on city council seat three, which, by the way, when is the election? It'll be May 1st. May 1st? Yes, okay. sir. So on May 1st, you you, know, you get that election seat. Um, what are some of the things that you're going to be pushing?
1: Well, the first thing I want to do is I want to get the debt under control uh we have to we have to do a better job debt oh the debt okay yeah we have to do a better job managing the debt and where's it gone it goes for a lot of different things so we've we've been spending in a lot of different areas some of which are some private ventures which i i would have to do more research on i'm not too comfortable with a, a government entity going into private business hmm. uh, that seems to be a little bit of okay, a conflict that. interest
0: i get what you're saying but i want you to explain that
1: Well, for example, if a a city decides they want to go in and buy an office building, you know, is that really fair to somebody else that goes out and spends their own dollars to buy the office building? Can they compete on the same level? So you're really looking at monopoly laws, right? I mean, could you? Well, the uh, monopoly laws necessarily surprisingly don't really apply to government entities. They do on the private side. Don't really apply to government. So there's hmm. some weird stuff in there as far as the different legal statutes and what so yeah. So it's kind of strange. But yeah, it's uh, so there's some things like that that, you know, I, I would have to look at really hard and fast to be able to be yeah. to be on board with that. But no, stuff sure. along those lines. I I believe that the city should not be in competition with the private sector. Um, I'm a firm believer in capitalism. I'm a firm believer in minimalism when you talk about mm-hmm. government. I don't like the government expansion. I don't like a lot of government. I don't like government reach Mm. in a lot of areas. So I like that to be controlled.
0: Hmm. Does the city, this is a random question that kind of came to me. Does the city have like, uh, any say on, on healthcare within their own city?
1: So, uh, not, uh,
0: I know it might be a dumb question. I don't know. No, no, no. There,
1: and there is never a dumb question. So the fact oh, There that, are. I think no. that makes it difference.
0: <laughs> I've, I've said some pretty dumb questions because it just, it doesn't logically make sense when it's on some of the questions I've said. So
1: hear well, me. Out. Well, and that's my point. You know, if it doesn't logically make sense, it can't be a dumb question. It can be a, it's a question of a misunderstanding or not understand fully understanding exactly what you're-
0: Or maybe just not thinking it through, which would make it a
1: dumb question. No. <laughs> That can and sometimes you say something and when you get it out there, you're like, oh, okay, now I understand now that I spoke it out loud. Fair enough. Fair it enough. does happen. But no, as far as the healthcare goes, that, that is something that is regulated at a higher level. Yeah, that's kind of, you hard. know, and some of the, uh, you know, we'll wait and see how this presidency rolls out as far as whether or not there's federal mandates for that goes and what mm-hmm. have you. Yeah. So,
0: so debt was one of them. Um, and they they just started a whole new development on old town, right? Yes. Is that something you're for?
1: That is something yeah. I definitely need to look at longer because we just, uh, we just increased the debt another 20 years. We added 20 more years of debt onto the books.
0: So can you explain that a little bit more on what it means to actually add 20 more years of debt? I know because if you have a big project, you have a, a final price tag roughly. Um, so how do you not get into debt when you want to do these massive projects?
1: Well, that's where I think you can, you can engage the private sector more. So rather than the city going out and buying stuff, we need to encourage private investors more. How do you encourage private investors? Well, the way to do that is, is to establish those relationships. It's hard, to, it's hard to be able to encourage private investors if you're always going out and giving them things. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for them to step up to the plate. Incentive. Yeah, exactly. So you have, to, you have to look at that. Now, there may be some private investors depending on what you're trying to bring in. You I know.
0: didn't turn my phone off. Oh, my gosh. I feel like every podcast is like this. That's all right. <laughs> you One know, of the podcasts, man. I had a full ring. or Somebody called me like right in the middle of it.
1: I couldn't stop it. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, it's our continue. <laughs> no, that's right. So, But it is kind of a, a catch-22 area because you have to look at what business you're bringing in. And then what are they going to do for the for the area? Mm. It, it's a matter of actually taking the numbers, your numbers guy, taking the numbers down and saying, okay, does this make sense for the city? Uh, Houston just landed Hewlett Packard. Mm. And I have no doubt they gave them huge tax incentives to come in there. That makes sense for the city of Houston. They give them tax incentives to so they wouldn't have to pay property taxes because they're going to hire tons of houstonians hmm. so you're helping your local economy you're helping your local people yeah in your city by giving them jobs hmm. so there is times where you have to do a give and take that yeah. does happen so what
0: about this one in burleson with the 20 year um adding debt for 20 years is what you're saying how do you not do that so if you want to get that same uh thing going if you want to have like a really nice area for downtown burleson you know, expand Old Town Burleson to make it almost like a West 7th type of feel, a little more old schoolery. <laughs> yes. Um, how do you not get into like a 20 year debt? Like with the, on top of not just the government buying it, but getting those private businesses in there.
1: Again, that, that's a that's a partnership. And sometimes you can actually set up different partnerships with uh, with the different private sectors and what have you, whereby they will come in. They'll invest heavily. Uh, That was done with Sundance Square, for example, in Fort Worth with the basses. They Mm -hmm. were able to come in and and Sundance Square was able to be done there. Uh, Another example of Fort Worth is the Stockyard Association that takes care of the four stockyards and how nice it looks.
0: So does Fort Worth do a lot of the government buying? Like does the city buy it or does it – it sounds like they're doing more of the private side of it. They did more of the private side.
1: So mm-hmm. again, you know, you have the Stockyard Association, a group of the business owners in the stockyard area. They got together and they, they worked through a lot of things. So they, they take care of a lot of those purchases. Were you so, on a lot
0: of those uh, transactions during not necessarily the Not the
1: transactions, but I was, I was involved in some of the different, different – uh, talks and and meetings and that sort of thing with those mm. groups so you're
0: kind of w- well versed in, in how that works and you know that it works you know that those
1: kind of agreements with the private sector do work for a city like fort worth they do they do and they're very they're very advantageous because it allows the it allows a certain amount of pride you know when an individual is able to get together and, and see firsthand what they put together they mm-hmm. take pride in it mm-hmm. they really do and, and it's valuable big time so uh, you want to get some of the debt controlled um,
0: by balancing the budget a little more are there any other techniques that you're looking at to be able to do that
1: some of that I would have to actually get in and be able to see the books yeah. I can't really see the books yet
0: so how do you know it's like super we're super big in debt
1: well there's a there's public records so you do get a chance to see our debt and how it compares to other cities and you get to see where we're at You know, the thing is, you have to be very, very careful. And and Fort Worth has gotten in trouble before where the economy is doing great and you spend accordingly. But then the economy falls out. We're going through a COVID crisis right now. So there's no emergency fund is what you're saying? Yeah, it can get get kind of tight. Mm -hmm. So you wind up with a a COVID crisis and some other downturns. Uh, This is COVID is not the first one. We've had numerous ones throughout history. That have really strapped cities, and so you have to make sure that you're going forward in a financially prudent way to ensure that if this does occur, that you're able to bounce through it, mm-hmm. that it doesn't hurt. to so See, you don't have to lay off police and fire because yeah. again, we're talking about the bond rating. So if you start laying off police and fire, crime goes up. Now your bond rating goes up. You didn't have any money to begin with, but now you're paying higher interest on your on your debt. So it's kind mm-hmm. of a spiral effect.
0: And that's kind of what the Burleson's been doing?
1: Well, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say they've been doing, but I'm worried that, that we could go down uh, that path.
0: So you're just, you're just trying to look 10 steps in advance. Exactly. It's interesting to talk about um, kind of the emergency management side of it. Um, that's kind of what I, I, I'm... I'm almost on my bachelor's degree. It's in emergency management on how even one of the papers I'm doing right now is all the steps on, you know, preparedness, mitigation, re- response and recovery. Right. It's the main things for yes. anything big. And that that preparedness and mitigation is probably the biggest portion, like the most important part of any type of emergency plan. It's like, yeah, you can have an emergency plan. So when, when COVID comes to Burleson, you know, you can have um, a plan. But if you haven't prepared well for it, it's not going to work out well. Whether it be a tornado or COVID, or you become financially strapped, like you're saying, so that preparedness is huge. And you see, it sounds like you're you're really pushing for that that preparedness side of things. That's that's kind of big.
1: Yes, yeah, so I want to I want to make sure that our city is on solid ground.
0: Do you know anything about what um, some of the plans are for, or I guess preparedness plans are for for Boston when it comes to an emergency or disaster?
1: I do not have those plans. No, I, I'll, I, I'll admit when I don't have something and yeah, I don't fair. have them. That's fair. i was just curious. <laughs> yeah, we We're talking a little bit about it.
0: All right. So, so you want to control a little bit of the debt. You want to be careful that we're, that Burleson isn't going to go, you know, upside down on a lot of their transactions that they're not, you know, what is that? Uh, taking a, taking a bite off more than they can chew. Is that, is that what that phrase is? Yes. <laughs> I just can't think right now. So what other than the debt and controlling the finances, what are some other things like, that you want to see changed or that you're
1: going to push? Well, I want to see the property owners be able to maintain their property values. Uh, we have a large influx of apartments, and you're going to have apartments. Uh, they're going to come into certain areas because of growth. But you can manage those apartments. You can manage where they're placed at, and you can manage the type of community they're moved into. And so we need to do a better job of actually looking at our, our zoning and planning as far as the neighborhoods go and ensuring that those property owners in those neighborhoods don't have to suffer lower property values.
0: Okay. So you're saying that uh, a typical house, if, if an apartment complex goes up right next to it, it'll decrease their own property value. Yes. Okay. I didn't really think about that before. What if they're really nice? Because there's a really set of nice apartments that came in that has some friends that actually live in. It's kind of like a resort I and mean, they're nice. Yes. Would that still decrease property values?
1: Over time, it does. So the example I give, and I know I keep giving a lot of fourth examples. I can't help it. I've been there for
0: oh, 20, I, I 20 need and a half exam- years. I need examples. Those are good for me.
1: So the Woodhaven, <clears throat> Woodhaven community in Fort Worth was the place to live. Uh, beautiful golf course. It was where everybody wanted to be. They built apartment complexes around this beautiful, comp, beautiful golf course. The apartment complexes were super nice, like you described, resort-style complexes. But unfortunately, over time, Roofs have to be replaced. Major repairs need to be done. And these are business ventures. An apartment complex is always a business venture. It's different than somebody owning a home. When you own your home, that's yours. You're going to take care of it. You look at it as a lifelong investment. An apartment complex is never that. An apartment complex is simply a business owner's chance to make money. And when it can no longer make the kind of money they need it to make, they sell it. And so what you find is that you find that those nice complexes will eventually be sold two or three times. And every time they get sold, they become older. Apartment owners that are apartment renters, I guess would be the correct term. Apartment renters that stay there, they're, they're transient in nature because they don't have a 30-year note. They have six months or a year. Mm-hmm. So when the apartment complex starts to go down, there's no reason to stay there. It makes better sense to move to the new complex, wherever that may be. So you wind up with a complex that will eventually deteriorate down hmm. into something that's not as desirable. And Woodhaven is that perfect example. Hmm. If you go over to the Woodhaven area in Fort Worth, you will see exactly what I'm hmm. what I'm referencing. That's something I don't want for Burston. I don't want Burston to turn into a, a giant Woodhaven. Hmm. So what what's your solution? Uh well we've got a lot of apartments already in. So it's gonna be a, yeah. we're gonna definitely have to monitor those. It's gonna take a lot of work. Um uh, There is state laws that that can come into play that can help should those apartment complexes start to go down that path. Like what? Uh, There's nuisance abatement laws. What is it? It's called a nuisance abatement law. So these laws allow a a city to be able to go in and actually file suit against the apartment. And Hmm. if the apartment does not comply and they don't get their, their complex fixed up, Get rid of crime, get rid of drugs, get rid of the other things that unfortunately come with the complex when it turns older. If they don't get rid of those things, then the uh then the city can actually go in and bulldoze that apartment to the dirt. Oh wow. And then sell it, you know, at auction. That is pretty interesting how um like I would love to I haven't really done a whole lot of research
0: on it, but I would love to see the uh like the sociological impact of apartments within their own community on drugs and crime. Cause a lot, when I was an EMT and we'd respond to calls or whatever the, the case may be, it was, it was when we knew we we're going to apartment complexes. A lot of times it was a little bit, sometimes worse of a call. A lot of our shootings in, in North Arlington were at apartment complexes. Yes. You know, and I'm, I'm, you're saying the same thing kind of with apartment complexes in Fort Worth where um, drugs and crime are kind of run rampant. in A lot of these apartment complexes and even some of my friends um, who have lived in certain, certain complexes that will all remain unnamed, uh, I mean, major drug running places, uh, murders, uh, kidnappings, things like yes. that that happen within the complex that is known for that. So, why do you think that is?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with the population density that comes into those mm-hmm. complexes. We put a lot more people into a smaller area. Uh, also, too, there uh, there is not that sense of ownership. So, you know, if you go into a community whereby most people own their home or they're renting in a nice neighborhood, they want to keep that nice neighborhood up. They're there for a while, and, and they take pride in it. With apartments, sometimes you don't always get that. Now, you do get some wonderful apartment owners Yeah, that, that will definitely keep everything nice, and they have the most immaculate, incredible, but I'm talking in general terms.
0: Yeah, I know it's really hard to paint um, a broad picture yes. over something like this because it's not always the case. Exactly. There's some nice complexes mm-hmm. that are very old, in fact, yeah. in Fort Worth. And great people. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not saying that every apartment complex has drugs in it or a thing like that but it is interesting uh correlation now also correlation doesn't mean causation that's one of those one of those exactly
1: things. so yeah so there are the nice ones in fort Worth. Mm-hmm. and and so we can stay on top of that and make sure they stay nice mm-hmm. and if they start to go downhill then there's there's procedures i'm familiar with those procedures <laughs> i actually I actually ran that unit i was the i was actually put in place of of actually running that unit it, what unit it was where you just the, kick people out uh this is <laughs> abatement unit. So we okay. uh when the law was first passed, uh the state the state attorney general was the only one that could file the suit. And oh, where's then that fly. Oh, it flies back again.
0: Where, where, where is he? All right, I'm gonna slap myself if it
1: comes at me again. Sorry. Well, that's <laughs> the state attorney general would actually have to come in out of Austin to file those suits. And eventually in Fort Worth we had developed a pattern enough to be able to be able to go ahead and follow suits directly so the attorney general actually turned that over to us oh so.
0: wow so you did, did you start off as a as a beat cop and move your way up
1: or i did i started off as a beat cop and then, then climbed the ranks as a training officer onto detective then sergeant and so forth and so and on. and then
0: narcotics right
1: you said narc- well i didn't necessarily do the well i did narcotics but it was more along lines of patrol so we okay. had uh we would do the narcotics i worked in the uh, southeast area of Fort Worth. So we would uh, conduct narcotics warrants in addition to our patrol. So we had the entry team, and I was in charge of the entry team. Oh, okay.
0: So that was a little side trail. I, by the way, I love side trails. Those are kind of fun. Not gonna That's all right. <laughs> uh, which are apartments. Okay, so uh, Burleson, didn't they just acquire like a whole bunch of land or something like that? I am not sure. Okay. Um, I, I honestly don't know. But there is a lot of unde- undeveloped land in Burleson. Am I right? There is. Okay. Right. Is that something that you would zone for, for a certain, like a, like an area that in the future that apartments would go to? There's that fly.
1: Well, and again, I think it think it boils down to really what is the need of Burleson and what do the residents want there? You know, I hear from a lot of the young people, there's not a lot to do in Burleson. Mm-hmm. I hear this. I hear that they go, have to go to Fort Worth to have fun. Yeah. And so, you know, when it gets right down to it, it needs to be... What do the citizens of Burleson want?
0: Well, also, what what is the main demographic as far as uh, age range goes? Maybe not demographic, but age range. You know, is is that something you'd like to see happen? More more things that are fun, like you know, like a Seventh Street uh, spot in Burleson?
1: Well, it could be that, and also too, uh, even younger. When you talk about all the teenagers, apartments also too are younger people. Yeah. So as you bring in more apartments, you're going to bring in a younger demographic Mm -hmm. so you're gonna have more teenagers you're gonna have more young people ideally you want those young people to have something to do because young people are gonna find something to do and if it's not productive it could get them in trouble yeah and so ideally you want to make sure they have things to do and and it's important for a city to recognize that so what would you like to see come in honestly (laughs) it's hard to say really I've got some ideas of some different things you know, I've heard people talk about, gee, it'd be nice if there was a bowling alley or if there was like a main event or something. Mm. Uh, I haven't reached out to any of those. I can't really do that because I'm yeah. not in city council yet, <laughs> but it would be nice to see if one of those top ventures would be willing to, to maybe look at Burleson.
0: Because I like, I like the old town feel, but it, it, um, it definitely seems like it's more going towards the uh, little bit, just a little bit older crowd, which it, it's going to be a little more classy, I guess. Uh, which is cool, but I mean, sometimes it is. It is nice to be able to have something that, that, that even younger people and even myself can go to and hang out. Because again, it sounds like the Old Town and is more towards that side of of um, the age group than the younger side. Am I right? Is that how you feel? That's how I feel.
1: So, and and that's important. What you just said that's important. And that's the reason I said that it's important for the young people. Everybody, mm-hmm. not just young, but everybody, let their let their councilmen know. You know, council members they need to hear these things. Because you feel that it's so. nice, and I'll take my kids. Um, you know, my wife and I will go there once in a while.
0: The old Town brings a certain population, which is fine. Um, but even a lot of people that I hang out with don't go to Old Town because it's it's not the exact entertainment that they want. I'm not saying bringing like crazy strip clubs and stuff like that. I'm saying more of. of I think a lot of uh, younger people would like to see you know, like a Seventh Street, more, you know, music and. Uh, whether it be techno or whatever, but I mean, is, am I making sense at all?
1: You are, you are. Okay. And so that that's something that that I'm thinking the young people don't really have here, correct?
0: Correct. And I don't for if we want to do,
1: uh,
0: if we want to go like a Seventh Street, we, for, we living in Cleburne, we gotta go all the way to Fort Worth. You know, there's nothing around here in Cleburne, nothing in Burleson, nothing in Joshua, nothing in Crowley. So if we want to do anything like having fun like on Seventh Street, it's Fort Worth. So it'd be really nice if something like that. came to Burleson, but that's just me.
1: Well, and, and, but that's not just you. You said you and your friends. Mm. So that you is more inclusive.
0: You're right. You're right.
1: And I feel there's probably a lot of people that feel the way you Mm -hmm. do. And that's important to be able to hear what it is that Burston's lacking. Because we have to represent the citizens that we're we're supposed to. We're a large city now. I mean, 70,000 people is a lot of, lot Mm. of people in the city. And you, our, our location that, is, is critical. I mean, we're on, we're border with yeah. with 170, with the uh, uh, toll road. We have 35. I mean, we're at the south end of Fort Worth. We're in a prime location to be able to attract a lot of investment. Do you think that a lot of
0: the uh, age range of people is, is less of the problem? Or not problem, but less of the um, question and more preference of what? Of- entertainment so like you know my preference of entertainment is very broad i could go to old town or i go to seventh street or i go to billy bob's i mean it's kind of like whatever for me um but do you think that burleson is trying to retain a lot of kind of the country side of of entertainment than actually seventh street side because seventh street is not really country you know it, it brings a certain type of crowd um and old town burleson also brings a certain type of crowd is that something they're trying to retain they kind of like that that old town burleson uh, country style of feel
1: I think with the size of our city uh, Burleson is growing so much mm-hmm. you know you mentioned 7th Street but you also mentioned the, the Billy Bob's and mm-hmm. the stockyards both in the same city Yeah, but in two different areas so yeah you're right with proper planning with proper zoning and stuff you can have the city of Burleson be able to accommodate pretty much anybody's need and want mm-hmm. but it takes master planning and it takes strategy
0: mm-hmm. That's interesting. Okay, so back to um, some of the things you wanted to change. Economy, just be careful of economy is what you're saying. Um, apartments, um, what else?
1: Those are the two primaries. Okay. Those are two primaries. And then the, the next thing is really what, it's not so much my agenda as it is the voters agenda. It's the young people. It's the old people. It's the everybody people. Yeah. What do they want for Burleson? Are we on the right path? Is this the right direction we're going, or do we need to make some changes? Do we need to set aside an area of town where we can have like 7th Street, like you mentioned? What is it that the citizens want? Because this is the city of Burleson, Mm -hmm. residents that that should have their voice.
0: Is there a lot of uh, debate on bigger businesses coming in and and really taking over smaller businesses? Do you know of?
1: I'm not too sure right now. It's, it, that whole thing is really hard right now with COVID because the big businesses are able to, they're still losing money, but the big businesses are able to better better absorb losses. Which, th- that, by the way, that
0: makes no sense to me. Uh, how, <laughs> how, how Like big businesses, I'll just say it like Walmart, can still stay open the entire time um, because they're an essential business, but small businesses that are also grocery stores have to close. That, that, that doesn't make sense. In fact, if you if you really wanted to mitigate COVID and the spread of COVID, seemingly small businesses would do better than big big business, businesses.
1: Am I right? Well, and that that I could go off on a whole subject on the COVID thing. Oh, let's not. do it. <laughs>
0: Yolo. <laughs> Come on, I, man.
1: I'd I better not on that one. But How uh, about we do COVID and then I'll edit out what you want me to edit out. Let's do let's do that discussion after the election. <laughs> Okay, that's
0: fair. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, I mean,
1: but, we, don't, we don't have to get the, into... The thing is with the COVID and, and stuff and talking about big business and small business, a small business, I'll, I'll pick on a restaurant, for example. Mm. You know, You tell them that, okay, you can only have 50% occupancy. Well, all the servers just lost half their tables. They're barely working off tips as it is. Mm-hmm. The owner... He wasn't making double the money. How, how do you sit there and cut his tables in half and expect him to survive? So it is a unique challenge for a lot of these small businesses right now. They're suffering. They really are. The, the big business, I know they are too. They're losing money hand over fist, but they have deeper pockets to begin with. Mm-hmm. They have extra reserves. There's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that took their whole life savings and they sunk it into their lifelong dream of whatever business it is. And now we're now we're shutting it down. Yeah. Um,
0: if is there anything that you would like say, imagine if you were um, on the council right now and then COVID hit or, you know, say another COVID hits or whatever the case may be. Um, it seems like everything just takes so long to process a lot of red tape in a lot of different things. Is there anything that you would have done differently if you might have been on the council during the COVID crisis?
1: I'm not sure that I would. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to explain why uh it's it's a unique challenge. I've heard people talk about well gee, you know, I can't pay my rent so I need the I need need the rent not to I need my landlord not to charge me rent. But at the same time, how's the landlord eat? We're fortunate to live in a country of capitalism. But the downside of capitalism is, is that if you can't work then it's really hard to eat. Mm. So that's a unique and mm. difficult situation to be in. I don't think we've ever seen, even during even during the war, World War Two, going way back when, our actual production increased. So there were jobs. Yeah. I yeah. don't know if I've ever seen a situation, except for maybe the Great Depression, whereby the jobs were lost like they are. Yeah,
0: I would love to see more of a uh, of a local response, and I, I know. <sighs> I know the federal response is, is huge. Um, even the state response is is big in situations like this. But I would love to see, uh, like for instance Burleson, I, in the future, I would love to see if Burleson could have been so planned and so well pocketed that they were the leading city in the entire country that showed how to respond to a COVID crisis like this. You know, um, A lot of that takes, ah, there's that flag. Oh my God, he's attacking me.
1: You see this? Is
0: that, or it's a mosquito? Oh, maybe. I think he's still alive. No, he's still alive. Um. Wow. Oh, he's alive. <laughs> um. Preparedness. I'd love to see where, if something like this ever happened, we talk about job loss. Like, yes. what if Brolson was able to be in a in a spot where the people who who were losing their jobs, there were other jobs that almost Brolson had in the in their back pocket. I know this kind of sounds. Um, too good to be true, or what if the people who had lost their jobs and they were actually qualified? Uh, you know, the next week they could deliver
1: care packages to that family who were in quarantine. And that's one of the things, though, a city is supposed to do is they're supposed to be able to help out in times of emergency—not necessarily just COVID, but a tornado, mm-hmm. a big fire, something. A city has to has to have the reserves in there and the long-term planning. That you mentioned to be able to address that, to be able to sit down and say, "Hey, okay, we've got this situation. Here's what we can do." Now, this coronavirus thing is a is a weird situation, mm, oh yeah, big time, yeah. And so, it, it creates some issues again when you when you do all this. Ultimately, you're paying for it. Mm-hmm. because it's going to come out of your tax
0: dollars. It's always the big question. Where is the money coming from? It, did, it just doesn't appear. Same thing with student loan debt.
1: It's like, where is that money coming from? <laughs> exactly. You know, you can't go over to the, to the Mint over North, yeah. over on North uh, Denton up in there and, and print out a few extra sheets of uh, money. It just doesn't work that way. So at the end of the day, you ultimately will have to pay for it. So it's a balancing act. You don't want to go too far. I mean, I mentioned debt earlier. You don't want to go too far into debt. Mm-hmm. Because now you're going to have to wind up raising taxes down the road. And that can definitely impact people. And that's, that's an unfortunate thing that can happen oftentimes when you buy a home and all of a sudden you find your taxes gone up. Well, I only budgeted so much for my house payment, but mm-hmm. now you tell me my house payment's higher. Those things have to yeah. be taken into consideration. It, it, it was eye opening for a lot of people. Yes. Yes. I, I do think that this whole COVID crisis has really shown a lot of uh, gaps in some of the preparedness that we could be doing, honestly. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that you fortunate enough to have a, a rainy day fund, a savings mm-hmm. fund. And unfortunately, some people didn't. And so it's an eye-opening experience. It's uh, one of those things that people are looking at and they're saying, man, I got to make sure that I got, I got a little bit set aside over here. I can't spend every penny. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the current crime in
0: Burleson? Um,
1: what, what is Burleson crime like? Um, things like that. I think right now, birth and crime is is not that bad. Uh, I've seen varying numbers, depending on how you look at them, as to mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad or not. I, again, worry with the number of apartments we have. Long term, if nothing's done, if we're not on top of that, what that crime will look like. Okay. What, what do you have in your little binder, just out of curiosity? It's just my notebook. I always carry a notebook in case I need to take notes or anything. I don't know if you have like a list of things that... You wanted to
0: talk about it or whatever.
1: No, I just <laughs> I just have extra paper in there in case you asked me, in case I need to make a note of anything. Cool. I'll
0: make a note about it. No, I don't know. Um, what are some, Okay, so you kind of stated a little bit about where Burleson has been, where it, where you fear it could be going, but where do you think that you would like to take Burleson? Like, say, ten years from now, like where would you like to see Burleson ten years from now?
1: Ideally, in 10 years, I'd love to see our bond rating be a triple A. I would love for, you know, when people look at Burleson, they think, man, that's where I want to go. That is the place to live. That has everything I want to do. My kids are going to have a good time there. I want people to come to Burleson, live in Burleson, stay in Burleson. I don't want them going to Fort Worth. I don't want them going to Dallas. I don't want them going to other places to go find something to do. I don't want them to just you know sleep here I want Burleson to be a place that people want to come to and they want to stay at Hmm. is there anything um,
0: like dream bigger dream far bigger imagine that you have unlimited resources what do you want to
1: do you never want to ask a politician if they have unlimited resources that's not a good thing
0: (laughs) you're not a politician yet (laughs)
1: I will. I will always be prudent, no matter what. So, but uh, I will always be prudent. uh, People give me a hard time on that sports organization because I never would take a. I never. I never accepted any a budget from them as far Mm. as uh, salary or anything. I ran a very tight ship there, and so I will. I will run the city the same way. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair, but I. I, I I'm still curious
0: because I think that's a question that one. Okay, one big question I don't think people ask is why. I don't think that's one thing they ask enough. Um, why is something happening? Why is this? Why is that? And then two, um, what's your biggest dream? What's your biggest dream as a city council member? What's your biggest dream as Mr. Stanford? Tell me. I want to know more about you now.
1: Okay. So as far as the city goes, I'll start with that. As far as the city goes, I believe I believe firmly that every person brings a certain amount to the table. That's the reason I stepped down from the organization of, that I started, JCSA. I stepped down because I've carried it as far as I could. Now it's time to pass the torch, give it to the next person who's got some better, unique skill sets that I don't have. And I feel that's important. So I want to take Burleson in my tenure, and I want to grow it into what I described. <clears throat> as as big as, I, as, big as it could get, but at the same time, have that small-town feel. At the same time, be able to provide everything that the citizens need within the city, that they don't have to go elsewhere to find it. And that the city be on solid financial ground so that we can get to that triple A bond rating. And then when I've achieved that, then I'll pass that torch to the next person who can take to that next level. Mm-hmm. So that is that is my vision of the city of
0: Burlesome. Right, I do have a question about that. Um, you mentioned you wanted to get as big as possible while keeping the small town feel that seems like an impossible task because it seems like when people want to like council members or mayors want to keep a city such a small town feel um they're really hampering innovation and capitalism um and i've seen that i've heard that a lot around the area uh, i'm not gonna say the names but a lot of the cities around here are like that they want to keep that small town feel
1: but by doing so they're, they're trash yeah i'll agree with you on that but it can't be done uh and i i hate to keep using fort worth but fort worth has that uh, has that small town feel and i've heard it numerous times from many people you go to the stockyards it doesn't feel like you're in the city sundown square you go down there and enjoy that it, it's cool it feels like you're in a little small area i imagine 7th street doesn't feel like you're in the skyscrapers and the big part of
0: it's been a long time
1: since I've been there so I don't know <laughs> I've been
0: there like twice
1: <laughs> so there's ways there's ways of doing that there's ways of doing that and a lot of it has to do with with the approach of how you do things hmm. H- how you actually address the city how it's laid out how it's structured and how you respond to the citizens I mean that that is a big thing is how is what voice do the citizens have?
0: Okay, so practically, what does all that mean, though? So like, practically, just you know, you're you're in that position. You want to do it. You're you're trying to keep it small town while keeping it big.
1: Practically, how does that work? So, for example, you mentioned Old Town. So the city bursts of is seventy thousand people, but Old Town feels like a little small town right down there. Mm-hmm. And you can do that in different pockets throughout the city. And, hmm. and that's kind of what Fort Worth has done. They have those different pockets that make it seem like a small town. Hmm. But yet it has all the advantages of a large city. And so that's what I would like to see with Burleson. That we're able yeah. to maintain. Because okay. growth, growth is going to happen. Yeah. People are going to move to Burleson. It's, it's, yeah. it's a good place to live. So yeah. there's no way you can sit there and say that, hey, we're just going to shut the doors. You can't do it. People are going to come. So you have to manage that growth. I think that people are, are yearning for authenticity,
0: and I think people want to truly know who's in their elected official seats. Yes. And they, these type of conversations are needed now. The divisive issues, I think we should talk more about and bring it to the forefront, especially in people who, in, in elected leader positions, because it doesn't get talked about, because people are too scared, because it goes back to the politics. People don't want conflict. But if we just have a, an honest conversation about why something is, you know, just ask why.
1: And it's we not really happening. Do. We, we, and as I said, it's not a government. I can't force that on somebody to go have that dialogue. We on an individual level have to reach out and have that dialogue. We can't be centered looking for other people to come and fix this for us. We have to take our own step of uncomfort, if you will, and ask the hard
0: question. Yeah. And I think it's really hard to have these conversations when all of our, uh, social groups are social sphere so to say are all your same people whether it's a city whether it's your church whether it's your initial friend group and this is something that I'm learning and I want to get better at is I I just I want to talk to different people and I think it's very easy for myself to get into a like I said earlier confirmation bias because it's bias because it's the same people it's the same actions it's which I love I'm not dogging on you know putting roots down and Developing strong friendship, that's so key. That's so huge. But I think we just get too comfortable. And we get too comfortable with, okay, every Friday night we're going to go to this restaurant in Burleson. And we're going to see the same people, and, which isn't bad. Don't get me wrong. But it, it narrows our perspective. It narrows my perspective.
1: It does. And, and I think, sadly, I think social media helps compound that issue.
0: Oh, yeah, the out- so did you ever re- uh, watch uh, The Social Dilemma on Netflix
1: I have not seen it yet but you it is to. on my list to see because too many people live solely off of their phone or, or the social media devices and they're not having these personal face to face conversations these interactions we don't know who's posting what mm-hmm. but yet we take it as fact yeah and even even They talk a lot about that because they talk about
0: how, like, I I, want to, okay, back up. I want to get somebody on here who really understands confirmation bias and break it down for me. Because they talk and and break down in the social media realm what confirmation bias does through social media. And that's all, like, all we see, the, the whole point of the entire Facebook algorithm um, all the servers are to get more engagement more posts more likes get to get you more on there so you'll buy more stuff essentially but what has come to is that you get into this cycle of just things that you believe are true whether they're true or not doesn't matter you get into the cycle of things that you believe are true and then you react accordingly so you see the same you know 40 friends. you may have a thousand friends but you only see the same 40 friends on your Facebook because they're most like you you know they already Facebook uh, breaks you down into Conservative, liberal, mildly conservative, highly liberal—you know, there's categories on your political views, and you can find them on Facebook. And so, if you're a conservative, they're are, are automatically going to put the people who are like you in front of you, so that you'll engage with them. Yes, I believe that's true. You know, that type of thing to get, because it brings more engagement. Well, what that does is it creates that confirmation bias where you don't have perspective anymore.
1: <laughs> yes, you don't you don't see the opposing viewpoint yes. at all. You see only one view.
0: Yeah. And so kind of watch for the people who, uh, whether it's your Facebook or others, if you're listening to this, watch it who are continually pop up in your feed. Um, typically, it's somebody who has more engagement with you. Um, not whether it's good or bad, it's the same people because they just want more engagement. That's really all it is. And that's kind of, you would know, break that down to a, a smaller scale within a city population. Aside from social media, we, if I feel like at least I have in the past lost perspective because I haven't been looking for different perspectives on how somebody might view things. Whether I view it through race or whatever my views are on race or sexual orientation or religion, kind of those are the hot topic button points, right? Yes. Um, no matter what I view about that, I don't have another perspective about that because I'm not hanging out with people who have different perspectives, which I understand. that That's part of human nature. We want to go with people who are like, but it creates, eventually it can create major issues. All I want to do, my heart is just to learn. I want to learn perspectives. You know, why might somebody be running for your office or, you know, what do you want to do? Or, you know, why do you feel about, like you're saying, why do you feel about this
1: way? Exactly. And I've, I've had those conversations and you're right. Sometimes people, they don't like it. and I've been told all kinds of things, but <laughs> At the same time, I've, I've had people yeah. say, you know, hey, I really appreciate, you know, you asking me because I truly want to know why, what is it? Why are yeah. you, you know, do you, why do you think that this way and, and what has happened to you specifically or, or what causes this breakdown? You're right. Um, as we kind of wrap up, what are some of your
0: passions? Like what do you like to do for fun just out of curiosity?
1: Love travel. Ooh, me too. <laughs> but I can't do that right now because every time I get ready to to try and go someplace, they tell me I gotta stay I gotta stay quarantined for fourteen days when I get to their state. So
0: you go to Colorado? We just went, we just got back from Colorado. Was, uh,
1: there you go. I can really do Colorado. Cool.
0: I've never been to Colorado. It's so beautiful. Colorado's gorgeous. I did not realize that. That's crazy how
1: how beautiful it is. It is a beautiful state. Yeah. So you like travel? Love travel. That's a, that's kind of my passion. I, I love travel. Uh, What's and,
0: the most interesting place you've been?
1: So interesting is a hard word. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful places and I keep saying that. I apologize. No, you're fine. But uh, like Austria, I loved Austria because it really huh. freaked me out. When I drove into Austria, they, they they flagged me over and I thought, okay, I've done something wrong. I'm in a foreign country. Who knows what? I guess I'll go to jail and figure it out later. <laughs> so they flagged me over and, but the guy walks up to the front of my vehicle and he pulls off a little plastic bag that had blown up on the front of my car. And then he allows me to enter into the country. And after that, I'm, I'm looking around and I'm noticing how clean it is. There was no trash anywhere, and it was really cool to me. I was like, "Okay, this is really cool." Mm. You know, they're they're very environmentally conscious over here. This is awesome. Mm. So that is the place I've always wanted to go. So Oscar, yeah. it was it was fascinating to me. So that was probably one of the most unique places oh. I've been.
0: Now, do you and your wife uh, is that like a, a, a mutual passion for you guys, or is oh it yes, okay. we
1: both love traveling. That's so, awesome. That's awesome. What like, else? What's, what's another big thing for you? It, well, for me, it all boils around to traveling and, and traveling because I love to learn. Mm. I love to experience different cultures. I love to experience yeah. different environments. I love to be immersed in, in other people. You know, it's fascinating to me to go to another pl- environment, another culture, and just see mm-hmm. how they how they how they do things.
0: So do you if like your ideal travel vacation? Do you typically um, book something that's in like a neighborhood, or do you do the
1: all inclusive resorts? My actual preference is cruises. Uh, oh, I love okay. to, I love to go on cruises because I can be in a different place every day. Okay. So that's my actual preference. But no, I don't really do the all inclusives because I don't want to stay at the hotel. Yeah, I like going, <laughs> I like going out and exploring. Yeah. Even whenever I even when I don't do a cruise, I still love to go out and explore. Yep. And. I'll I'll go to the tourist ones obviously. But at the same time, I love to talk to the people in the in the local communities and find out what's unique. Hmm. What's unique about your neighbor? What can you tell me different here? And go see something that is that you're not gonna see otherwise. That's a really cool perspective to have. Also not normal. Because yeah. as
0: you Americans, we're pretty you know, we have those blinders on. <laughs> yes. It's pretty easy to have that too. That's really cool though.
1: But but I do I, I love to go out and learn, so as I go out into the other cultures, I learn and I see, and it's just it's fascinating to me. So that, that is my true passion.
0: This is also a weird question, but uh, um, what do you do to keep yourself from getting a big head? Just to like say, imagine you know, okay, I'm 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 kind of one of the head honchos now in Burlington. Okay, I'm going to run for senate. Okay, now I'm going to run for president. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you know, say, imagine something like that that happens. It doesn't take much for some people. Um, you don't seem like a super like cocky guy. What
1: it what is in your life has really kept you from getting a big head? For me personally, I am I'm somebody that doesn't really ever see my own success. What I mean by that is, I love to have the success of others. So hmm. whenever I do anything, it is always to it's just the way I'm wired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am wired so that I get joy, not from what my accomplishments are, but from seeing those that I can impact and what their accomplishments are. So for that reason, I'm typically, you know, not ever really the out in front kind of person. I I, I truly, I truly enjoy watching other people succeed. That's awesome. And, and I love, you know, that was, that was a big, that was a, something I used to tell people all the time whenever I had that sports organization. Mm-hmm. And I told the new new ones coming in, I said, look, I never I never made a penny off this organization. I never accepted a salary because the, the money I made would not have come close to the benefit I'm getting from watching these young people grow and succeed. Not only the young people, but also the coaches, watching them be able to work with their kids mm-hmm. and grow those relationships and some of them... Getting an opportunity and leadership mm. that allowed them to be able to grow and go in a different direction. I never have really focused on myself in that way. I I, I truly love watching other people have success. I I I ask them these questions because a lot of a
0: lot of people can smell BS from a mile away. Yes. So I ask these hard questions because I'm pursuing authenticity. Like I, I want to see authentic authentic people succeed as well. But a lot of politicians in the past have just baffled people with bull right yes they just kind of say what they want to say and that's why like when i have guests on and sometimes in these positions i just want to ask like man who are you like why should i even freaking vote for you you know exactly and i think that's what people especially my age they're kind of
1: tired of they're kind of tired of that that bs yeah i'm not i'm not one that beats my chest and goes <laughs> around and, and rides shirtless on the horse and look at me over a you know Oh, I can tell that
0: and just, just
1: from the, you know, you and I, uh, gosh, I don't think you and I have said two words to each
0: other. Maybe, maybe back in the day in, in high school, but I mean, I, I can tell from, from what you're telling me who you've been, I, I'd i vote for you. Like that, that's awesome. If I was living in Burleson still, I would love to vote for you.
1: Well, hopefully, hopefully some of your listeners live in Burleson oh, yeah. then. Yeah, so. no.
0: So I usually post um, for, for these type of podcasts, I'll usually post to like the big groups in Burleson and I'll, I'll you know, feel free to share it as well. Comment on those. Um, I'll send traffic your way as well. Good. Um, any other questions? Anything else you want to say? Like kind of like final words for, for the city of Burleson?
1: Not really. I mean, I, I understand that, that when you vote for me, it's not a vote for me. It's going to be, a, and this it, is going to sound political. <laughs> it's going to sound cliche. And I apologize. Well, let's but, but it, let's but break it down. <laughs> but, but really, when you, I truly am somebody that will represent the people. So, when you vote for me, know that I am very approachable. Know that if you see me someplace, don't be, don't be scared to come up and talk to me and tell me, hey, you know what? I'm very thick-skinned. If you don't like what I did, come up and tell me. Say, hey, you know what? That, that was the most dumbest thing you've ever—and tell me why. Okay, so why did you develop thick skin? probably years of police work I, I was gonna to say. say it's probably years of, i've been i've been uh, called and attacked and <laughs> you name it so but,
0: i was only seven years in the ems business and it's different i mean i can imagine 20 you said 28 years 28 and a half yes that's ugh, all the more power to you man by the way thank you for your service
1: thank you thank appreciate you that so yeah i'm very approachable and there's you know and there's never a, an issue nobody needs to be afraid to come up and talk to me Tell me what you want to see. Or if you don't, if you don't like what I did, come up and let me know. And I would love to have the conversation, explain why I voted a certain way. Maybe there's a misunderstanding and, and we can break down. Hmm. Much like you were talking about earlier, race. So that really boils down to misunderstanding. Hmm. A lot of these issues we have in our country are essentially misunderstandings. Hmm. And you fix those through communication.
0: And just wanting to know where they're coming from. Yeah. You know, I think I don't think there's enough of that, and it sounds like you have that. You have that perspective of, "Hey, man, let's just talk." Like yeah. I'm not necessarily trying to get you to think about one thing or another. I just, I want to hear where you're coming from. It sounds like that's where you're. That's what you're saying, and that that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. That's that's exactly where I'm coming from. You know, I want to know what is it you want.
0: Yeah. Well, Mr. Stanford, um, truly, truly a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thank um, you. I, again, I learned a lot, and I really hope that. More people can be in elected positions that are like you. Well, I
1: appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man. All right, bye. Bye.